0: An overview of the Cisco Certified Design Expert Certification with Jeremy Philibin. Episode 10. Chugga-chugga-choo-choo! Choo. Welcome back, nerds, geeks, and ziglets. Thanks for joining today for our 10th episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where Zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. I'm Michael Ziga, also known as Zig, and I'm your host. I can't believe we have made it to the 10th episode of this podcast. We are in double digits. We are like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. As always, our goal, our mission, and our promise is to provide you with real-world context around technology. That's what this show, this podcast, and what I personally stand for. Well, another week goes by, and here I am, sitting in a hotel room, living the VAR life. Hashtag VAR life. It's just about 1.30am, and I just got done with my day job. It was a successful day night, to say the least. All the LED lights are blinking green, and the network engineers are asleep. So now it's time to start the podcast. I'm recording this episode a little early, a touch early, because the week this episode is going, supposed to come out i will be celebrating a birthday for my wife julie she is the foundation of our family and supports me in every crazy idea i have and do such as this podcast i couldn't do any of this without her love and support this year for julie's birthday we are spending a few days at the beach um we are going to get some sun and have some fun in the water uh, as a family and get some quality time together as a family so i am excited and um you guys will all be listening to this um, as we are still on the beach. And then I will be back uh, a few weeks later afterwards. So, Julie, I love you more than you'll ever know. Happy birthday. I have a very special show for you today. Being that this is the 10th episode and the 10th installment of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, I have a special guest and a special show for you. Today's guest has over 20 years of industry experience, and this is design experience, architecture experience. Uh, He is an architect. He is a a trainer of architects. He is a trainer of design experts. He has been around this industry for years. He is a well-known provider of CCDE training for our community. He has... Developed and provided network design training for over thousands of individuals in this community. He holds, of course, multiple high-level certifications. I think that goes without stating that he is one of my mentors and someone that I personally look up to, and a, a real good friend of mine. Please welcome Jeremy Philibin to our show today.
1: Hey, thanks, Zig. It's uh, or should I call you Michael? You go. Either Zig? one, either one. Okay, for I'll, me. I'll go back and forth then. Uh, yeah, so, so things are great. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to be on your show and, uh, talk about something we both have uh, a fair bit of interest in, I think, which is the CCDE program.
0: Yeah, I definitely like the program. Um, the CCD as a, as a whole, it's definitely made some impacts on my life. And, and honestly, my my uh, the journey towards the CCD for me personally really um, changed my, my mindset and my thought process, which is more valuable, in, in my opinion, than the CCD uh, itself. But so um, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, if you don't mind, Jeremy?
1: Sure, sure. I've been the networking for about 20 20- years. I'm going to say 20-plus years now. Uh, It's hard to put a date on it exactly, but it was uh, 96, 97, I believe. Uh, uh, Got my CCIE a long time ago, uh, somewhat in that time frame, 1998, actually. Uh, And uh, been doing network design and configuration since then uh, in uh, 2012. So we'll get into this in a lot of detail, but at some point early on in the CCD program, I did obtain my uh, CCD certification. I'm um, number 20090003, uh, which is the, the kind of strange numbering system. So the 2009 says I did it in 2009. Uh, 0003 is. I don't know, pretty much an arbitrary number. We can get into a lot of detail on that if we want to. But basically, it means I, I passed towards the beginning of the year in a group of people. Um, actually, when I took it, it was a group of four of us that passed. Uh, wow. So we got numbers one, two, three, and four, and I happened to get number three.
0: That's awesome. So today's show is going to be an overview of the CCDE or the Cisco Certified Design Expert. And we were going to really highlight some of the history around the CCDE and the how to obtain the CCDE, or what is required to get to the CCDE, and then also what is included within the CCDE uh, as a whole. Real quick, uh, in your own words, what is the CCDE?
1: Uh, so the CCDE, and, and for those of us who are super lazy, we just call it the DE, even right? Yeah, um,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> that's as far as we can abbreviate, though. I mean, Any more, and it you know it loses its uh, its meaning. The e wouldn't be enough. No, it uh, wouldn't. <laughs> uh, so the the CCDE is the Cisco Certified Design Expert uh, designation or certification. It's it's Cisco's way of determining um, expert level skills in network design, um, which is now I'm getting very redundant, but. Uh, the point being, how do we take business requirements and turn them into a functional network that meets all those requirements? Um, so, the, the CCD goes through – it's actually four different uh, – well, it's called a rubric, right? So, the rubric has four different uh, components to it. Um, there's developing network designs. Uh, um, actually, I should start at the beginning. There's analyzing design requirements. Then there's developing network designs, then there's implementing network designs, and then there's validating and optimizing network designs. Um, So, those four different question types, um, or I guess uh, topics. Uh, together constitute an expert level network designer. So somebody who can go from gathering those requirements to putting a network design together to actually building an implementation plan. And then kind of the most interesting one to me is the validating and optimizing, which is the last uh, component. And that's kind of questioning that design or modifying that design based on new information. Um, so that is that's the CCD program in a nutshell, but uh, you know, obviously it gets pretty complex.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. So I mean, some of the some of the things that um, I would probably, if I was asked that question, I'd probably say, and maybe it'd be wrong nowadays, but um, a vendor agnostic des- uh, design certification. Even though it's Cisco's, my understanding, and, and as as I've gone through it, is it's a high level vendor agnostic certification. There are some proprietary technologies, like uh, I think DMVPN is in scope, EIGRP is in scope. Even though I know it's been released. There's a there's a draft um, RFC yeah. on it, but um, yeah. So I think it's it's a vendor agnostic at a high level uh, design certification. Would you
1: agree with that? I, I agree with that. Yes. Um, so it's vendor agnostic to the to the degree that it does start with the word Cisco. Um, <laughs> But uh, but your point is valid. Uh, there are no Cisco products on the the exam. You know you don't have to pick your uh, your ASA model or your Cisco router platform or a specific switch model. Um, when we say implementing or actually I guess we, when we say developing a network design and implementing a design, it's not which products you would select and which commands you would type in the cli you know cisco cli or whatever um, it's more at a high level which technology would i use to solve this problem and then what order do i implement the various technologies to meet the requirements
0: yeah no that's exactly so um uh in terms of the technologies that are included in the CCD, um, I always say when I when I talk to someone about the CCD that it, it includes really the the full understanding of the route, routing and switching technology suite, or uh, comparing the CCIE really the um, CCIE route and switch exam, and then also includes the service provider CCIE kind of core technologies as a, as a technology base.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly right. Uh, so. Candidates ask me, you know, what which which CCIEs are the best for this, and, and those are the absolutely best two to have if you're going to go for the CCIE. I'm um, sorry, the CCDE. Um, having the CCIE service provider and the CCIE route switch are the two that uh, most align with the technologies used in the CCDE. In fact, um, I'll, I'll I'll jump ahead in our conversation just a <laughs> tiny bit because uh, uh, when when this uh, ccd program was first unveiled or announced it was at a cisco live a few years back uh, almost well, many years back at this well, point 10 years ago, right? uh it was <laughs> it was in 2007 in anaheim if anybody was there um uh, the, the the disneyland uh, cci uh, cisco Live, <laughs> if, if people remember it as such uh not that the party was at disneyland but i think it was it was right around the corner from disneyland uh so at that uh at that meeting, uh, there was a kind of an invitation-only meeting for for various network designers. Mo- almost all CCIEs. In fact, I think everyone in the room was a CCIE of some sort or another. They uh, un- announced this program, did about a I don't know 45-minute uh, presentation describing the types of technologies that would be on the exam. Uh, it was Russ White and Bruce Pinsky and Steve Barnes and uh, a couple others. Uh, non-technical, I think the others were non-technical, talking about it. And they said, are there any questions? And uh, so I raised my hand, um, you know, not being shy, I guess, uh, or not being, you know, in a group (laughs) of shy people, right, being the least shy, uh, and said, well, is this a service provider exam or an enterprise exam, because some of the technologies were clearly service provider technologies, uh, in my mind, uh, and some were clearly enterprise technologies. Think of like an EIGRP. You know, I don't know any service providers that run that as a core routing protocol. Uh, at most, they would run it maybe on the edge um you know, as a PEC routing protocol, for example. Uh, and the answer was, you know, it's both. Um, it And not, <laughs> uh, or uh, in fact, the answer was more like it's neither, um, in the sense that these are just technologies and, you know, service providers might choose to use them or enterprises might choose to use them. But, uh, you know, companies don't, aren't limited to a specific stack of technologies just because they happen to either sell services or consume services, uh, which was kind of an interesting point. I think it went over my head at the time. Um, I didn't quite get it. In fact, I asked a follow-up question, which was, no, really, is it service provider <laughs> or enterprise? And uh, and I, I actually got a little bit of uh, – if I recall, it was uh, Bruce Pinsky's wrath about, you know, I, I kind of answered that question already, and uh, Eddie chuckled at me. Um, so uh, ultimately, I came around to that point of view, although it's very difficult to. Um, so I do training for the CCDE, and it's difficult to get candidates out of that mindset of, you know, these are the technologies that no enterprise would ever use, or these are a set of technologies that service riders would never use. Um, If you you get yourself locked into those silos, you're going to have trouble on this exam.
0: No, those are good points. So I would actually kind of state that the reason why, at least right now, those technologies are kind of in the enterprise or a service fighter bubble, let's say, um, are really because of the CCI route switch and service fighter exams, respectively. I know a lot of a lot of enterprise customers that that run MPLS today, and they run multiple types of different MPLS networks. You're talking VPLS and um, you know L3 VPNs, L2 VPNs, and the lot. I just think it's it's maybe the CCI's themselves are kind of putting things in the technologies in different silos themselves.
1: Yeah, That's a great. That's a great point. I had never thought about it that way. That you know, Cisco kind of forced our mindset here by saying these are the technologies on the route switch. And uh, and I'll go back and for Var- various times, ISIS was either on the route switch uh, exactly. technology stack or it wasn't. And okay. so for those periods of time when it wasn't, does that mean only service providers used it? Because um, <laughs> it's always been on the service provider side. So that that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of it that way.
0: I mean, even one step further, and maybe maybe I'm a little off base on this, but maybe I'm not. So I know when I was studying for uh, my first CCIA route switch, the version four and version five, there wasn't, there was a huge difference between version four and version five in terms of how much MPLS was on the exam. So I, I believe version four still had some MPLS, but it wasn't to the scale of the version five blueprint. Um, so it, they definitely migrated some of the technologies that maybe were more service fighter heavy originally to the enterprise level, if that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, so so I'm going to show my age here and tell you that I didn't have MPLS on my exam, um, and that's because it hadn't been invented yet. Uh, so <laughs> so my CCIE was 1998, uh, route switch that is, uh, and uh, I was um, – to put it in perspective, I was trying to get done my CCIE before ATM got on there because I didn't want to see ATM. <laughs> my exam. Wow. But, All right. But you're right. The way, the way they've added and subtracted technologies uh, – You know, I I think of it, what's interesting is I think of these technology lists as leading indicators uh, for where Cisco sees, you know, enterprise and service provider technologies going, um, at least when they're announced. Um, But because of the several year lag in between the beginning and the end of a particular version of the CCIE, or in this case, the CCDE, um, by the end, it seems archaic. Like, I can't believe they're testing us on a great – actually, here's a great example from the CCDE. Uh, You know, the CCDE exam still has VPLS on it. Um, And to my knowledge, eVPN hasn't shown up. Um, But, you know, no kind of – well, I shouldn't say it this way. But uh, anyone looking to build a new network that does layer-2 VPNs is probably looking past VPLS and onto eVPN and other technologies.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it, some of that depends. If you're doing it in-house, totally. If you're doing it, if you're relying on a service provider as an offering, maybe the service provider is a, an older service provider. They don't have the technologies today to run anything else but VPLS.
1: I, I agree with that. Yeah, I was thinking more from the provider service provider perspective. You know, if I'm a service provider that's now going to, you know, start an offering of an L2 VPN service, uh, I'm probably not building it on VPLS anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I wouldn't. Um if I could make some kind of um, comments here. Uh, so, you know, this topic is turning into not just what is the CCDE, but it's also kind of turning out into what is the difference between the CCDE and the CCIE. And I would just say that, like, um, for the people that would be listening to this, a CCIE is focused on the implementation side of the house and the CLI, while the CCDE is focused on translating the, the requirements, the business, the technical, the application requirements to really the technology.
1: Oh yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um you know the the you're not going to log into a router on the CCDE um but you're also not um one one kind of misconception of the CCD is well, you know, it's so wildly open-ended uh, as if it's um maybe a, the difference between a true false exam and a and an essay exam and it's somewhere in the middle. Um there's, there's you know an open-endedness to the CCDE but um but it holds you to a path. Um and I know that's not probably the best description of it uh, but yeah it, it's not a, a blank piece of paper and Vizio and you get to draw whatever network you want um, there's some constraints to it
0: yeah I think they think they they kind of guide you down a path. And you have kind of, depending on the options within that path, you you could pick the right options or the wrong options, but they kind of give you a chance to continue on that path. But not open-ended to the point where you're 10 or 15 questions deep (laughs) in a path. I think it's just one level down a path. Um, One other other kind of maybe clarification I would like to make is that um, you, you don't need to be a CCIE in any discipline to go after the CCDE. Uh, I think there are a few people that we know out there that are CCDEs that don't have any CCIEs. So I would just make that that clarification, too, um, that you could totally take the journey, take the initiative, take the you know the path going towards your CCDE and not have any CCIEs. You still need to know the technologies. You still need to be able to compare the technologies and contrast and, and know when to use them depending on the business requirements and constraints and drivers. Um, but you don't need to be a CCIE to, to do that.
1: Yeah, that that's right. In fact, um, I mentioned in 2009 when I took the exam, four um, people, all, all gentlemen, uh, passed, including myself, and one of the four of us did not have his CCIE, and I don't think he ever went back and got one. Uh, so it it's a matter of um, a way to think about it is it's it's an equivalent or it's an equal in terms of difficulty and stature. I think to get the DE versus an IE. Um, obviously, there are way more people with CCIE certifications than CCDEs, and the majority, in fact, uh, the significant majority of people who have their CCDE also have one or more CCIE certifications. I think it's somewhere around 10 to 20% of CCDEs. um, uh, That's their only expert-level certification. Uh, But it's very possible, uh, and it matters more about what your experience is and and what your you know, your uh, experiences, (laughs) to be repetitive, uh, it it would be very difficult for somebody who is a network designer who doesn't spend time on a CLI to to pass their CCIE route switch or their CCIE service provider. Uh, But it's equally difficult for somebody who, you know, is a CLI expert but doesn't think about design or work at the design level to pass the CCDE. Uh, They just test different things, and they kind of mean different things in the market.
0: No, I think that's that's a great kind of overview overview so far of what the CCDE is, um, and obviously the comparison of the CCDE and the CCIE. Um, so I guess uh, moving on, how how do we obtain the CCDE?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a two step process, right? It's past the written and past the practical. Uh, if it were only so easy, uh, <laughs> so there is a. Uh, the Cisco pyramid of design certifications, and it starts at the CCDA and the D, then goes so the Cisco Certified Design Associate program, uh, and then the CCDP, which is the Cisco Certified Design Professional, and then at the top of that pyramid is the CCDE, uh, the Design Expert certification. Uh, but as you pointed out earlier, I think, or we're or, or pointing out now, you don't need to get your CCDA or your DP to start. The DE process. Um, Just like on the CCIE, you don't need to be a CCNA or NP to to get your CCIE. Um, So I'm one of those uh, folks who never got his CCNA or NP, um, again, because it didn't exist uh, when I took my CCIE. Um, But uh, it's just not a, a, a necessary step in the process. Um, if you're already at an expert level, or you feel like you're close to an expert level, uh, you can take the written exam for the CCDE. So that's um, one of those Pearson-administered. Um, I don't know the number of questions. You know, let's say give or take a it's few like hundred like, or something. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A hundred question, two hour, two and a half hour exam, something like that. Maybe ninety minutes. Probably ninety minutes. Now that I think about it. The uh, you know, typical Pearson exam at the I don't even remember the number. It's like uh, 301-001 or something like that.
0: I think 01. I have it written down. Yeah, so I have a, it's 352-001, unless they've updated it recently.
1: No, that, that sounds right to me.
0: Um, so at
1: Cisco Live this past uh, summer, I was scheduled to take it, and then I ended up not taking it because uh, it wasn't time to recertify yet, so I figured what's the point. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that sounds right to me, Three five two zero zero one. So you take that exam, uh, you pass it, and uh, you've, you've achieved – um, in terms of designations, you've achieved nothing. Um, you've, you've gotten <laughs> the ability now to schedule your practical exam. Um, so while it's nice to have passed such a difficult exam and, and the written is a difficult exam, you know, a lot of people fail that exam on their first second or maybe even third try. Um, you know, it, it's a yeah. lot of technology and a lot, you know, a short period of time. It, it's not an easy one. Um,
0: Well, on that note, I just – sorry to butt in, but um, I failed it on the first attempt, and um, and I hadn't failed 11 exams in a row. Um, I was going on a pretty good uh, run taking Cisco exams, and that includes – lab exams for like the CCI side of the house and um I failed the CCD written exam and I wasn't necessarily upset I'll be fully honest I thought it was the best written exam I've ever taken um and I didn't fail by much um I think I had like a um I think I had like an 800 I needed like an 830 or an 840 to pass or something like that it was a high high passing score um but it was obvious what I didn't know like right. pull up front, like it was obvious. I'm like, well, I don't know that. I got to guess. So um, I didn't leave that. Like, man, I'm mad. I've left that. Like, I gotta brush up on a few things. Like,
1: yeah, well, well, two things. Uh, one, a streak of 12 straight passing Cisco exams is pretty impressive. Um, you've <laughs> uh, you've certainly beaten any streak I had um, <laughs> whenever I had a streak going. Um, but, but also your other point, I think is, is almost more important, which is there was really no shame in failing it. Uh, I know a, a lot of people, well, I like to look at it this way. Most folks in our industry, uh, who, you know, uh, attempt these expert level exams have a history of success, you know, academic success, professional success. We're not used to failing, right? Uh, you know, we probably didn't fail much, if at all, in, you know, high school or college uh, or in our professional careers. Um, and so when we get that failing score, uh, you know, we, we kind of, you in know, our tail between our legs, we walk back home and tell our spouses or our colleagues, you know, I didn't pass that exam I took today. And you feel like, you know, like a failure. Um, but uh, that's the wrong perspective to have in this industry. Uh, there is nothing wrong with failing an exam, Um for, for two reasons. One, it tells you, you know, maybe I shouldn't take that exam. Maybe that's not what I'm interested in. Uh, I've failed a number of exams where I uh, chose never to pursue them, you know, maybe in other vendor technologies or things I wasn't particularly interested in, or ultimately didn't want to proceed with. And I failed a number that I ultimately did pass. Um, but the way I knew what I needed to know was by failing it. You know, it's it's one thing to read a quick study guide or or the five question sample on Cisco.com for a particular exam. It's another thing to see ninety questions and really get to measure yourself against you know what is important on that exam. Um, so, so the streak is awesome, but uh, but failing is just as good. So.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a learning experience, right? And I'll be fully—I'll be the first one to say that I've—I I've failed the CCNA when I was first starting out. I failed it, I think, two or three times in a row. I was on like a failure streak, so <laughs> I, I turned it right around and went down a, a, a passing streak. And then I ended up failing the CCD pre- uh, written, passed it, and then failed the CCD a few times too. So it wasn't—it's not all you know rainbows, oh. glitter, and, and unicorns over here. So. No,
1: I understand. We've—we've yeah, uh, we've all failed many an exam, and if you haven't, you're—you're you're probably waiting too long to take them you know to be honest
0: um well that's a good point
1: you know why why not take it when you think i mean the key is and and it's the old joke right you know what do they call the the Person who finishes last in their class in medical school, and you know, they call him doctor because it doesn't matter, right? What your score was, if you met the minimum requirements, you've passed. And it's the same thing with the CCI or CCD, right? You can get a, a perfect one hundred percent score on your CCD practical exam, and you're a CCDE, or you can just scrape by and just make the the cut score, whatever that is. You know, let's say eighty uh, percent. You both have the same designation. There's no CCIE with honors or CCD with honors kind of um, certification out there. So,
0: good point. That's a great point. So as long as you do enough just to pass.
1: Yes. Yep. That's exactly right.
0: Because I mean, they don't give us a scores or anything like that. Just like the CCIE, the the CCD written and the CCD practical, they don't really. Although the CCD written, they do give us scores. You, right? you
1: do get your score on the written. Um, but again, you know, I've never known anybody who's passed it by just a couple points and said, I better go back and do better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you meet the requirements and you move on.
0: Yeah, yeah, real quick. So the written, I just wanted to make one, one more announcement or. Uh, maybe not announcement's the right word, but one more uh, statement that the written last year, they added the, um, the new section. Um, what is it? The evolution
1: emerging technologies. I believe, Thank so yes. right? Um
0: And just so it's not just route switch service provider technologies on it. What you just said yeah. uh, has been included into the, the written exam.
1: Yeah. So that's everything from what open <laughs> stack to, Oh goodness. Well, that's the only thing I remember from it, but um, our, our mutual friend, uh, Nicholas Russo. um, has written a great guide to the emerging technology stuff. Uh, So find that it's on Cisco learning network and, and just memorize it and you'll do Uh, the way I look at it is as long as you do, you know, reasonably well on that, it's a, it's a non-factor, right? It's only 10% of the exam. It's 10% of every written exam. I'm sorry, every expert level written exam uh, that Cisco offers now, uh, you know, you don't need 100%, but if you get a 0%, that means you better know that topic, the CCD written or the CCIE, whatever, uh, whatever. extremely well because you're going to have to make up that difference. Uh, I, I'd be curious. Uh, maybe we don't want to go down this path right now, but uh, uh, thoughts on that. Uh, I kind of think it's – initially, I thought that doesn't make any sense. What What is that doing on this, uh, you know, Random CCIE written exam or CCD written exam. Uh, I've kind of come to the conclusion, though, that I I understand what Cisco's doing there. Um, You know, it doesn't – it kind of makes the program look bad in a way if you've got a lot of these um, Cisco-proclaimed experts who who don't know what OpenStack is or don't know what IoT is about um, or whichever other emerging technology you want to throw in there. Uh, So I kind of get it, um, although I'm still not sure I love it.
0: Yeah, I get it. Um, I've been taking... Uh, I, I took... And, and just to show you, I took the uh, security written exam, the CCIE security written exam at Cisco Live this year. My wife had kind of talked me into doing it. It was half price. I did not enroll, like schedule it before I got into Cisco Live. So instead of it being free, it was half price. Um, I did not do very well on it. Um, but the section I did very well on was the uh, emerging technology section. Oh. I, I think I got like a 90% of the section or something like that. I actually... I see what they're doing. Um, you know, I, I actually think some of it's valuable. Um, and while some of it may not be fully valuable, you know, I mean, um, I don't use OpenStack on a daily basis. You know, oh, wow. I don't use some of those emerging or evolving technologies on a daily basis. That doesn't mean I won't in the future, right? Um, so, you know, learning or brushing up on some of the stuff or knowing what an API is or right. knowing what, um, you know, JSON or a URL is or something like that. I think those are some basic stuff that maybe we should all know.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I I agree. Being able to spell the acronyms at least, right? Uh, exactly. And and I think you're right. I think it is evolving technologies after I've said emerging technologies like nine times. Um, <laughs> I'll lie, I won't lie. I looked it up. <laughs> good, good. One of us is smart enough to do that.
0: Um, So moving over, I think that's the written. Um, The practical. How is the practical all set up? So the practical,
1: right? The written is the gatekeeper. The practical is kind of the meat of it. Um, and I, I'm going to say similar to the CCIE tracks. The practical... Is the same technology stack as the written. So the CCD written has actually a fairly lengthy list of technologies that it covers, um, and it's wildly open ended. So you know, thing it'll say L2 VPN, it won't say VPLS or EVPN. To use an example we were discussing earlier. Uh, the practical has the same technology stack. In fact, in some ways, it's a little bit smaller because again, the the evolving technologies don't make their way to the practical, uh, not directly. You know, they could be the the. The reason for a particular network design, like we have IoT or we have a, uh, an OpenStack type cluster, um, but it, it wouldn't be a product thing. Uh, but the once you get to the practical or once you are ready to take the practical, you schedule that through Pearson. Uh, so this is different than the CCIEs. This is a Pearson-delivered. Uh, Exam. It's an eight-hour exam, uh, and it is offered four times per year uh, by Cisco uh, worldwide at Pearson. uh, uh, What do they call them? Pearson Professional Centers. They're called. Uh, So, uh, what does it mean, right? Uh, So we're all used to, you know, if we've taken our CCIEs, we've flown to San Jose or Raleigh or or. yeah, whichever your regional Cisco offices that offers the CCIE and you sit at a Cisco site and you take the exam. Uh, it, for this one, it's a computer based exam. So it's, um, you know, you don't need equipment. Um, you don't need to be at a special location uh it's offered in 200 and i think it's the numbers are about 295 locations worldwide Um, although the joke is that 275 of them are in north america and uh, 20 of them are are you know scattered about everywhere else world right there's i think one in africa in johannesburg there's um three or four in europe and you know Three or four in East Asia and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's – it's uh, and you know, well, the rest be in South America, I guess, uh, uh, from my – that's all the geography I know. So uh, Australia's <laughs> got at least one, maybe two, Sydney and Melbourne or just Sydney. I can't recall. Definitely Sydney, though.
0: So, there's a quiz later yeah, yeah
1: exactly in fact that probably would be the easier quiz is to name all the ones outside the u.s <laughs>
0: yes it would because, by far
1: because uh i have one five minutes from my home in the u.s uh i think uh, uh we i had a, a friend in toronto who had three that he could drive to within a half hour i believe. Uh, so uh, it, it's uh if you're not in the US you'll you'll be jealous but uh or or north america i should say you know with toronto being in canada
0: on that note though i mean um they're more they're more regionalized than the ccie exam lab exam um or is that not correct uh
1: i didn't quite understand the question regional oh,
0: said maybe not regionalized they're they're um more accessible than the CCIE lab exam from a location perspective? Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. yeah. So even outside of the U.S., right, there aren't 20 different places outside the U.S. to take your CCIE lab. So even if you want to compare it to availability of the CCIE lab, I, I think it's easier to get to. Um, it's just the jealousy for the U.S., which I understand, you know, being that it's pretty much every major and even minor city in the U.S. has a, has a, at least one piercer professional center.
0: So real quick, the, the exam designation for that, or the exam ID is 352-011. That's the current one as of, I think, today, unless it changed an hour ago. Yeah. Um, so if anyone does you know, pass the written and wanted to take the, the practical, that's the exam you'd look for in Pearson Vue site. Now, the, the makeup of the exam, Jeremy, how, how is the makeup of the exam, or the, the not makeup, the, the workflow, or sure. the, how does the exam go?
1: Um, so, again, it's an eight hour exam that takes place over nine hours. Um, there's a forced one hour lunch break in the middle. Uh, and in fact, it, it's in a way, it's two four hour exams, is the way to think about it. Um, so, you'll arrive at the Pearson Center, you know, at, at whatever appointed hour, uh, show up when they tell you to. Uh, you'll start your exam and you'll have a four hour countdown clock. And in those four hours that you have before lunch, you're going to take two completely different Uh, exams. Uh, And what I mean by that is there will be a story about a company and you'll answer somewhere between 25, I'm sorry, 20 and 35 questions about that particular company, uh, going through those four uh, uh, question types, the uh, analyzing design requirements, developing network designs and on and on about this one particular company. Uh, When you get to the end of that, Uh, You'll hit next, and you'll get your next scenario. uh, So we call each one of these a scenario. You'll get your second scenario, and it'll be about a completely different company. Uh, Everything you've done up to that point, you can throw away because you're going to get a story about a brand new company. And you're going to start that same process of getting the design requirements, developing a network design, implementing that design, and and validating it. Uh, And then when you're done that second one, you go to lunch. Um, so there's no Cisco provided lunch, you know, you're in whatever city you happen to be in, go buy yourself some lunch, take a break, uh, come back whenever the testing center tells you to come back, and you'll do the same thing again. So you get a second four-hour time block to, to complete the last two scenarios. Um, so over the course of your nine hours, uh, you know, eight hours after subtracting for lunch, you're going to take four completely separate scenarios uh, about four completely different companies.
0: That sounds like a marathon of a day.
1: Uh, it is, you know, and and I know you've you've experienced it, so you know firsthand. Uh, it it absolutely is. Um, so the the thought is, you know. The CCIE, um, well, again, I compare and contrast to the CCIE because so many people are familiar with it. Um, this Part of the C- the difficulty of the CCIE is the time pressure and the endurance of the exam, right? Because you've got eight hours to complete uh, this large list of tasks, and there's a couple different sections now on the CCIE. I'm not as familiar as I used to be because it's changed. Uh, but there's a, a time pressure and an endurance um level of difficulty on that exam. And that's replicated pretty well in the DE, I would say, um, between the amount of reading that you have to do to understand, at least at a level that you need to, um, these particular companies, and then getting through, you know, up to 35 questions per company. So, you could answer 70 questions in the morning four-hour time block. Um, But it's not like a written exam, where each question is you know a small s- snippet of text and a diagram, and you answer the question, you hit next, and you forget everything you knew about question one. Uh, these questions build on each other, so you will start off the exam with maybe ten pages of documentation and a handful of diagrams. Then you get to question one. You know you've already chewed up ten to twenty minutes of your clock before you've answered the first question, uh, and then as you answer questions you will get more information. So some new emails will come in, new diagrams. They may uh, kind of overwrite or supersede the original diagrams and documents that you got. Um, And by the end of each scenario, you're juggling somewhere between eight and 15 documents and diagrams uh, to answer question number 30 or 31 or 32. Uh, And it's kind of, in a way, it should be a relief to you when you hit next on that last question because you can now forget everything you knew about company a um the problem being that you have to learn company b at that same level of depth um immediately right after
0: yeah so um it's 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 definitely a reading comprehension exam it's a ton of reading it's not like the ccie and that sense where, yes, you have to read some in the CCIE, but you can you can go in the command line and, and configure something and, and validate that configuration. Um, usually, for the most part, pretty pretty straightforward. Um, whereas, I think in the, the practical exam for the CCDE, it, it is a lot of reading and really comprehension. That, that reading comprehension skill has to be high. The mem- remembering the, the, the information from the text and the diagrams as you go through the questions is, is extremely important.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah I agree hundred uh, percent so one of the resources I put together uh, for the training for the ccd is a reading comprehension uh, scenario and in that scenario there are no questions which really frustrates candidates um, because you know they get to the end of all this six to eight pages of reading and they really want to actually see where things go right when how will this university uh, it's a, a, a Uh, modeled after a university Uh, so how does this university start to solve the problems that it's uh, that it's facing Uh, but there are no questions because the key to this one is is really the reading comprehension portion Uh, so the 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 teacher guide or the 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 right answers to this are not answers to questions but they are you know did the candidate pick up on these various topics or kind of notes that were in the documentation and kind of match up against what uh, others see when they read that documentation. And it it seems to be a pretty good resource for candidates to kind of get their mind uh, reading to the right level of depth uh, because you can either – You can either read too deep or not deep enough on these things. If you skim over the documentation, you're going to miss details that affect the network design. But if you spend all your time reading this and kind of memorizing and truly understanding everything about these companies, you're not going to have time to answer the questions uh, because you have that limited amount of time for the exam.
0: Totally agree on that one. I know I fell into the trap a couple times um, reading and trying to trying to overly connect with the stories, the scenarios. Because the scenarios are really stories. Um, really trying to overly connect because I thought that was my issue. Um, and it wasn't. It was uh, something totally different. But um, <laughs> learning that, that maybe not connecting that much. And for me, again, just from my experience, the, what I learned to do was um, – uh, Skim highlighting uh, is what I kind of termed it, uh, sparsely highlighting, like speed reading, read through, but really putting the text that I thought was important in like a priority queue, uh, being technical, right? Yeah. Not, not overly highlighting, uh, really sparsely highlighting that the the, tech, the, the the reading portion of the of the exam um, and that way it was easier to come back and pick out that information later there's no way i was going to remember remember all that information for each individual scenario as i went through the day there's just no way um so some of the things i was going to kind of bring up was the different type of question types and i know you know some of the question types are going to be similar to everyone like the, the multiple choice questions the drag and drop questions the diagrams some of the hot spots there's no simulators there's no simulates um, there are branching questions and then there are charts any words on those charts and, and branching questions yeah
1: yeah so we talked about the question types earlier and I want to I want to make sure we draw a distinction the question the, the the term question type that i was using earlier was regarding the type of information that the exam's trying to extract from you, right? Understanding design requirements and developing your network designs. Um, what you're referring to is is equally important, which is how does the test engine try to extract that information from you, right? Um, I mean, you can imagine it, or you've seen and, and candidates can imagine, uh, it's everything from multiple choice, which is pick one of these five, um, to multiple answer, which is pick two or three of these five. Um, with the multiple answer style, uh, you're always told the number of valid options, so you have to pick three of five or you have to pick two of five. Uh, then there are kind of progressively more open-ended question types. And while it doesn't get to essay questions or fill in the blanks, which is great, uh, it does get pretty open-ended, right? So some of the chart ones uh, will give a matrix of technologies and problems technologies can solve and ask you to evaluate each technology for each problem type. Uh so, you know, where question one on your exam might be a simple multiple choice, pick one of five, move on. Uh, question two might be a chart with you know five options and five technologies. So you're making 25 individual decisions about whether this technology applies to this uh, you know, problem type or this technology applies to this design requirement. Uh, those get pretty open ended, so.
0: And on the chart, just while we're talking about the chart, I I, I personally fell on the trap of, hey, I see a chart, I got to fill the whole thing in.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The the ch- so the checkbox charts, right? Um, you, you you need to consider each individual option. But uh, kind of the sinister part of this is that not every que- not every uh, one of those checkboxes actually matters when it comes to your score. Um, so the the scoring is uh, multiple points per question. Um, uh, you know at up to a couple points per question uh it's actually this part is is not published by cisco so i'm kind of working off of speculation uh other other than the sense that i know that there are partial credit questions available um so so there are multiple points available per question and it's very possible that you know the the one aspect of a question that you're stuck on whether this technology truly applies or doesn't apply to this you know design consideration may not even matter to your score um, which you'll never know for sure because you'll never know what your score was or which questions were worth which number of points uh, but I, I always tell students that uh, that information because I don't want anybody so focused on getting the exact right answer for a particular question uh, that they never finish the exam uh, and and that that can be a real problem for for especially for Folks like us, right? Uh, technical folks don't like to leave things open, right? If we
0: yeah.
1: uh, we we want we want a neat and tidy yes or no answer to everything, and sometimes you can't have that
0: we want to understand everything and we want to answer appropriately and we don't want to get anything wrong. Right. So, you know, I know like when I first took the first, the first time I took the CCT practical, I'd spend five, 10 minutes on a multiple choice question because I'm like, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like not realizing that I'm wasting time.
1: You're absolutely right. You're, you're, you know, the, 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 uh, the standardized test taking strategy of, Eliminate the wrong answers and pick from what's remaining uh, is incredibly important on this exam. If you can eliminate two wrong answers and you're picking between the three remaining, pick one and move on because the time is probably more valuable than increasing your odds from 33% to 50% if you can you know, stare at it for five minutes exactly. and eliminate one more wrong answer out of that list.
0: And that, 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 you know, extra four minutes and 30 seconds could be used on a whole other co- load of questions compared to the, the one question you're stuck
1: exactly. on. Exactly. The, the questions don't necessarily get progressively harder. Um, the, you know, so if you can, if you're stuck on question five, you know, questions six, seven, and eight, or 31, 32, and 33 might be really easy questions for you. But if you never see them, um, you'll never get the points.
0: Um, so the only other thing I'd like to mention, or, or really kind of clarify, is the branching question. So um, there are questions that you are going to answer, and depending on that answer, you're going to you're going to get a, like a follow-on question. And um, my understanding, after talking to the, the CCDE program team, is that it only will ever be one level deep of a, of a branch, but you might have a chance to get additional points, or you might miss the points altogether if you don't follow the branch.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's right. And that's a little hard to conceptualize, uh, probably on a podcast especially. But uh, the concept is that you'll get a question and that question, you'll make a decision. Yeah, Almost always it's a developed network designs question. So they're going to say, which technology meets these which technology do you recommend Company A implement to solve this problem? And you're going to pick A, B, or C. Um, you know, let's just pretend they're routing protocols. You know, so you pick OSPF or EIGRP. The follow-up question is going to say, Why did you pick OSPF? Um, or if you had instead chosen EIGRP, your next question is going to be different. It's going to say, Why did you pick EIGRP? Or it might say, Why did you not pick OSPF? Uh, now, don't let that question upset you too much. It may not be telling you OSPF was the right answer. They may just want to validate your knowledge that you didn't just guess and get the right answer. You you actually understand why whatever the right answer is happens to be the right answer. Uh, so if if Michael and I are taking the exam together, not together, literally, but at the same time, uh, and we pick different answers, uh, if uh, let's uh, let's say Michael got it right and I got it wrong, uh, my next question may not have any points I can gain, um, whereas Michael can justify his choice of OSPF. And if he does that properly, he gets one more point. Um, so he'll get a point for the question picking OSPF, and he'll get another point for the question where he explained why he picked OSPF. And I got two questions wrong, so I missed the points on both. Um, the important point to note here on these branches is, uh, and what Michael was saying about the levels deep, the next thing that happens in the exam after that justification question is we both get an email, the email has exactly the same text, and it says, we chose OSPF, or we chose ISIS, you know, maybe something that wasn't even an option for either of us. Uh, that doesn't mean you know one of us was right or wrong, although in my little story here, I was the wrong one. Uh, it means that from now on, we have to design an ISIS network because that's what we've been told to do. So that that's the idea behind the branching questions. Um, you can't.
0: Yeah, they level set you. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the fear that a lot of candidates have had in the past is, well, what if I make the wrong choice on question one? Do, does that mean the next twenty five questions I'm going to get wrong because I'm designing, you know, an OSPF network and they told me to design an EIGRP network? And and the answer to that is no. Um, but. Also, don't be stubborn, right? If, if, Even if you think OSPF is absolutely the right choice, if the email comes back and says, we're going with the EIGRP, you've got to let go of the design that you had in mind and move forward with the EIGRP design. Um, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean EIGRP was the right answer and you got it wrong. OSPF may have been the right choice, but the exam wants to test you on your EIGRP design capabilities, let's say.
0: Yeah, that that's exactly the case in a lot of situations. So, um, so I think we've summed up the the CCD process, the written exam, and the practical exam. Is there any last minute items we want to discuss in this topic?
1: Well, once you pass, uh, you have to recertify, which brings you back to the written. Um, but you never <laughs> you never have to take the practical again. Uh, I've uh, it's kind of funny. I've, I've seen a note about recertification and you can recertify by taking the practical again. Um, I've never known anyone to do it. It seems absurd um, because for one, it's a lot more expensive and two, it's a whole lot more time. Uh, But, you know, so generally what I've found is, Almost every CCD begins to uh, take the CCDE written as their recertification, and kind of move on from there. Um, so the fact that you said you took the uh, CCIE uh, Security kind of—I don't want to say surprised me, but uh, I, I, in some ways, I, I, I've not found anybody who's, who's tried to recertify their DE with anything other than the DE written. Um, although it's certainly possible, you can use any expert-level exam to recertify your your DE certification.
0: Yeah, I'm a a weird guy. I I like the idea of... uh, My wife talked me into going after the CCI security altogether not just the written so she's like why don't you just take the written and, and see how you do and so i did and i didn't do very well uh, so that's great i don't i don't think i'm going to be doing it or at least not right now unless i have to brush up on a whole bunch of technologies um it's funny and not even that's just the past the written you know like but that's a different to- uh tech, uh discussion yeah it's a different so.
1: podcast but uh, the, <laughs> exactly. the the funny part of that is most of our spouses uh kind of dissuade us from going down the path of another expert level exam after having seen the Stress and, and level of effort that that requires. So um, that good for you to have a spouse that,
0: yeah. that's well, pushing you. She, in that she did see the keynote at Cisco Live. Uh, she saw the opening keynote and the emphasis on security, and that's what she she was like. Well, why don't you just go do this? It was free, and we thought it was free at the time. Yeah. So that, that's actually why. But gotcha. Um, so uh, we have a the next kind of question topic is how many CCDs are there today? Uh, and I thought there was like. Three hundred or three fifty, but I don't know if there's any official number. Yeah, so I
1: I keep pretty close track of this number because uh, for one I have a lot of students um, that have taken the exam, uh, and so I know their numbers. And with the numbering system, it's possible basically to know how many um, CCDs there are per year. Um, so uh, the number I have is as of December thirty first of twenty sixteen, it was three hundred and fifty one, and that's you know plus or minus a couple. Um, I also don't know how many have let their certification lapse. I know of one CCD who let his certification lapse, um, but uh, the, intentionally. He, he, he um, so oh. he went to work for one of the uh, one of the the giants. The the um, I can't recall if it's Google or Facebook or or which one of them. And those companies don't really emphasize certifications very much. Um, so. It just didn't make sense for him. I think of Amazon, actually, now that I think about it. I think he works for Amazon. Uh, and there's just no particular value in, in keeping certifications in that area, so he let it go. Um, so 351 minus 1, I suppose, is the number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a, I mean, that's not a huge amount of people in 10 years. I mean, the exams has been out for, what, yeah, 2007? Um, that's, so 351 people in, in 10 years. That's
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. The the success rate, you know, per attempt is somewhere in that 15 to 20 percent. Um, so you know, if five people take it, or I guess six people take it, generally one will pass. Uh, so it, it's it's a difficult exam, um, and it's uh, uh, I guess a low volume exam, right? It's only offered four times a year. Uh, candidates have to kind of make that decision whether they're committed to it and and willing to take it multiple times to pass. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a small number. I think it's comparable to maybe uh, some of the, the mid-tier CCIE programs, right? So the route switch, the service provider, the voice are all, you know, thousands of, of CCIEs. Um, it, it's kind of in that next tier, I would say.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, there's also the, the the CCAR, which has got ten, right? I think it's ten.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the CCDE does give you. I, I should have mentioned that. It gives you a ticket to one more thing, which is the ability to take the Cisco Certified Architect program, um, which I understand is is being somewhat redesigned right now, although that's not official word. Um, so I'm not quite sure if you can take that exam at this time, uh, but if you pass the CCDE, you are eligible to take the, the architect program, and that's the only requirement for the architect program. So uh, the you can't get your CCIE and move on to that. You have to come through the DE program first.
0: Yeah, so that's the progression if you were going to go down that path. There was a CCIE design certification a few years ago. Um, And do you have any history on that?
1: Uh, Yeah. So that one's from the, I'm going to say the 2003 timeframe. And I'm speaking as someone who who never pursued it and and was only sort of tangentially aware of it. Um, But I think in 2003, um, you can almost call it like CCDE version 0.1 or something. Uh, There was this idea that we need to certify folks in design um, because, the I.E. programs are great with CLI and technology, but they don't—they don't generate skills in design. Preparing for the CCIE programs doesn't generate skill in design. Um, so Cisco put together um, a CCIE Design program uh, that was a lab-based exam, so similar to the CCIE Route Switch. It was, you know, a pile of routers that you configured, um, but you configured them to meet designs rather than to meet specific. You know, implement this technology type goals, um, and the program didn't take off. Um, I understand that a very small number of people actually passed it, um, and not many more actually even took it, uh, and it kind of disappeared quietly in that two thousand three time frame. I, I, the number I've heard is that two people passed the exam, but I don't know that for a fact.
0: Wow, well, it sounds like it would be pretty hard. I mean, with actual equipment and designing a solution based like a like a CCIE exam, but design focus
1: yeah i, I think uh, as i understand um so I, I mentioned earlier i was at the unveiling of the the ccde in 2007 um there was reference made to that ccie design about how ultimately they realized they weren't testing the right things and it was pulled not really because of lack of success or, or demand but uh, because it wasn't really meeting the requirements of the, of the skill set they were trying to develop
0: that's a great point. So you were you were there for the CCD unveiling in two thousand seven? Then, like you mentioned before,
1: I was. Uh, you know, by uh, by quirk or luck, I guess I'm not sure exactly which. Uh, I did get an invitation to that um, that unveiling in two thousand seven in Anaheim, uh, where they they announced it. Um, like I said uh, earlier, Russ White, Bruce Pinsky, and Steve Barnes, who were three of the if you look at the the list of CCDs, and there's a couple public lists out there. Uh, they are three of the original, so they have 2007 numbers. Um, so I, I kind of joke that, that they didn't really pass the exam. Uh, they were kind of granted certification. And I believe there are eight gentlemen, um, all men, um, who who were in that design program or uh, created the CCD program and have numbers in the 2007 range. Um, so that was before the practical even existed. The practical didn't come out until 2008. Uh so they sort of retroactively gave themselves 2007 numbers to set themselves apart, which is fair to me. Um, they, they built the program.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, they spent all the time and effort to actually get buy into the program, build it right, and I, I think it's a pretty good program, personally.
1: Uh, I do, too. You know, I'm, I'm biased. I, I both have the certification and I teach for it, but uh, but I think generically, it's, it's a good program too. Even if, uh, even if I take my personal biases out of it, um, I learned a ton going through that program. Um, so in 2007, they unveiled it, uh, in late. So that was summer of 2007. In late 2007, there was a beta written exam, uh, and it was pretty grueling. It was a, as I recall, 180 question written exam, Pearson exam, uh, that took three hours. So wow. basically had a, a minute per question and, uh, there were, like I said, 180 of them. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to pass that one, um, and all that really got you was the ability to take the practical. If and when they they got around to making the practical, and of course they were working hard on it uh, throughout out, all of 2000, late 2007, and and early 2008, uh, at Cisco Live 2008, which was in Orlando. Uh, They actually had a demo of the CCD practical available to to those who were at the, uh, in the certification lounge, actually. Uh, And it was, um, it was based, actually, I should put it the other way. Um, The current practical demo on Cisco Learning Network is, is sort of the um, antecedent, I guess, the, 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 um, yeah, the, the, the follow on from that. Um, So it's about Cisco, was it Cisco land and twisty treat? I think. Or yep. Twisty.
0: Yep. I do recall taking that a couple of times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's a good one. If you want to understand how the exam is created, um, don't get too focused on your score if it even gives you a score anymore. Um, so they, they had that at Cisco live 2008, uh, when I went in the Certification Lounge, uh, as I recall, Bruce Pinsky recognized me and said, "You got to sit down and take our practical demo." Uh, so I took it, and uh, they had it on a big screen that was above your head, so everyone around could watch you take uh, the practical exam, uh, which is a little uh, no nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, no stress at all, right? Um, you're reading documents, and everybody behind you is pointing out, you know, this and that. Uh, I got a 22% on it.
0: That was that was pretty high, though, right?
1: Yeah, two out of two out of eleven, I, or two out of nine. I'm sorry, there were nine questions at the time. I got two of them right, uh, and uh, I was pretty embarrassed. And I started to kind of sheepishly walk away. And Bruce said, "Actually, Jeremy, you got to put your name on the board. That's the highest score we have so far." <laughs> uh, and I thought, well. I don't know what that means. (laughs) You know, Should I be proud of it? Maybe he's kidding me because I'm the first one to take it. I don't know. Um, It was early in the week. Uh, I eventually let him put my initials on the board because I wasn't really proud enough of a 22% to uh, put my name down. Um, But I circled back by the end of the week, and the highest score at that point was 44%. So I guess I didn't feel too bad about my score by the end of the week.
0: You yeah, know, I think I think I've taken that a couple times, and when they did actually have the scores, obviously the the CLN version, not the version you took, yeah. um, and I didn't score very well on it every time I took it. So,
1: no, no, it. Uh, in what we found out later was that it 100% wasn't even possible. Certain questions were broken, and uh, but anyway, I, I'm not trying to talk up my 22%. It still wasn't a very good score. Uh, but later in 2008. Uh, They actually offered the first iteration of the practical exam, and uh, unfortunately, my schedule didn't permit me to take it, um, but 41 individuals did take it, and of those 41 test takers, only three passed. Wow. Uh, Yeah, yeah. so the three folks who got their 2008 numbers, and you can see these online, uh, I have one friend among that group, uh, they should be pretty proud of themselves, I think. Uh, That that was quite an accomplishment, Um, and they're the only ones with 2008 numbers because the exam was only offered once in 2008.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, it really is. Uh, things picked up, so and not to go line by line, but in 2009, 14 people passed, including myself, um, and things picked up from there. Uh, 2014 was sort of the peak. Uh, we had... Uh, well, actually, 2013, we had 81 individuals pass the exam, and in 2014, 82 did, uh, and then the numbers sort of leveled off from there, so we're in the 50s uh, the last two years, um, and we'll see in 2017, uh, the exam's only been offered once, uh, and it'll be offered two more times uh, this this year, so uh, it's hard to say exactly what the number's going to be. We'll we'll have to wait till the end of the year and say.
0: Yeah, totally, I mean, especially with the other exam not, not being given, obviously, so...
1: Yeah, that's going to depress the numbers a little bit. Um, you know the the uh, was it the May exam was was canceled. Um, so the next exam will be in August.
0: No, that's great info. So you bring a lot more history towards that that process than I would know. Uh, my 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 start of going down the CCD path and journey started about two years ago so and um with 2016 being the year that i passed and then now we're in 2017 so it's um definitely definitely a journey with like the ccie's you can kind of take them as you want like it's more of a you wait however the, the duration is that you can if you fail you take you wait the duration if it's two weeks or a month if you think you're ready and you take it again whereas the the ccde is really you only get a chance to take it when it's available very different different process
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, when I took my IE back in 1998, I, I failed in April and passed in June. Um, you know, it was, I knew I was close. I said, you know, let me get back on the horse as fast as I can. And the next date I could get was, uh, less than two months away. Um, Whereas we're right with the DE, uh, you have to wait at least three months or, or roughly three months, I should say. Uh, it's about every three months. And uh, kind of new new to the DE program, but also old is the fact that you will not get an immediate score now when you take the CCDE uh, practical exam. It actually takes about 10 to 12 weeks to get your results. Uh, so it's difficult to prepare for your next exam if you don't know if you've passed this one. Uh, so I, I tend to think that Moving forward, candidates are going to take the exam every other date until they pass rather than every date because you can't – you just don't know, right? You might have passed, so why why schedule and take the next one?
0: Yeah, so I I hadn't had the um – I didn't dealt with that personally. Um, and throughout my process, I got the results instantly, uh, both the written and and the practical, um, which is good and bad. I mean, I, I got the results instantly, and then you're, you're kind of depressed when you fail. And, <laughs> you know, you're you're elated when when you pass, of course. So now it'll be a little different. Um, back to the, the what the 12 week window where you know you take the exam and you have no idea if you pass or fail when you leave, um, and you're just kind to have to wait 12 weeks. Um, I think there's other certifications that do this anyway. I know I took the CISSP a long time ago, and it did it. It. um that's an isc squared certification back then I think it was eight to ten weeks um you got your results now it's I think an instant
1: yeah no I did so so the ccd program was the 10 to 12 weeks originally so I had to wait 10 to 12 weeks for my results took it in February and got my results in April I believe uh, of 2009 uh, and we we got to immediate grading i think in the 2013 time frame 2012 13 uh but now they've they've gone back to the original format um so uh kind of those who uh, got those immediate results i you know i think you think it's probably the the better for the candidate um but for the program and, and making sure you know all the results are are valid um they they have to go back to this 10 to 12 week time frame and and I certainly understand that.
0: Totally, totally. It's needed for the program and it's better for the program. So Um so I guess the 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 last kind of topic is what does a, a CCDE do?
1: Ah, ha, that, that's a good open-ended question. huh?
0: <laughs> yes. uh, it depends. So yeah, yeah. So I
1: can tell you what this CCD does. Um, so, <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I do a number of things. I work primarily for an insurance company, um, although I do consulting for a number of other companies. And I work with um, uh, you know service provider here and some smaller enterprises there, um, some Cisco uh, partner work. Um, they're consulting for a Cisco partner. I mean, uh, I also um, teach for the CCD program. Um not… Not for Cisco, but, you know, my own company uh, where I teach, uh, prepare students for the CCD practical uh in terms of my students, um, it seems like there are sort of three categories of students and I'm sure I'm missing a few. Um, th- there's the set of folks that actually work for Cisco, either in advanced services or a Cisco SEs. Uh, in fact, Cisco a few years back kind of was pushing their SEs to move towards the CCDE program rather than the CCIE programs because they felt that it mapped better to the day-to-day work that a Cisco SE does and in, in support of the companies they work with, uh, so, you know, so that, at least that was kind of the, a couple of years ago, Cisco was moving in that direction. I'm not sure if they still are internally. Um, so, there's Cisco employees. Uh, there's Cisco partner employees. Um, so, folks that work for Cisco resellers or consulting partners. Uh, and then the third is folks that work for uh, enterprises or service providers in a, in a network design or architecture role. Uh, it seems that that pretty much covers the, the big three categories of my students.
0: Yeah, so you you do um, you have your day job and then you have your own business where you do your, your uh, CCE or design network design training. Um, you have boot camps, you have um, offerings, self-paced offerings on all, all that kind of um, material, right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, yeah two, two different models. Not everybody can find five consecutive days to, to go off-site or, or WebEx to, to do a one-week boot camp. Uh, so I have a uh, kind of a subset of my class that's available in a self-paced way for students who uh, you know, need something that fits their schedule a little better.
0: Awesome. So for me, um, as a CCDE, uh, what I like to kind of try to say I do is uh, the hard part, I feel like, is uh, getting the business requirements, constraints, and drivers from customers. So I work for a, a value-added reseller and um, a national value-added reseller in the U.S. And um, most of my, my day... Um, or days is really getting the requirements from the companies what are they trying to do and why and then from there helping them design um, solutions to meet those requirements that, that's at a high level what I do on a day to day basis
1: yeah that, that sounds a lot like what the DE program is is trying to do um, it, it, and uh, it, it can be I, I know it can be difficult to get those requirements from, from customers in a format that you can build a network design for but uh, but that, yeah, that that is sort of what the CCD program is all about.
0: Well, that that that's gonna, I think, kind of sum up our, our conversation today. Do you have any last-minute words of advice for the listeners?
1: Uh, you know, I'll go back to something we were talking about earlier, which is there's there's no shame in failing a Cisco exam, um, and that that's an important point to get across, um, especially for, as we said, you know, kind of high achieving individuals. Uh, So you know, if you haven't passed the, if you've attempted the CCDE and not succeeded, um, you know, I I wouldn't give up. Uh, It's, I think it's still a valuable thing to do. Uh, the The exam is achievable. It's difficult but achievable, Um, and uh, I'd say stick with it.
0: Awesome. Um, so uh, I know you're on the interwebs and everything. Um, how can the the audience kind of stay engaged with you, follow you uh, on the internet and whatnot?
1: Yeah. So I have a website uh, where I do my uh, my personal business, uh, the, the training and consulting. That's uh, JeremyFilliben.com. J e r e m y f i l l i b e n dot com. And I'm on uh, probably the easiest way to reach me is on Twitter at uh, jfilliben.
0: Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much, Jeremy, and I um, I look forward to working with you in the future.
1: Yeah, thanks for your time, Zig. It was, it was great talking to you.
0: Hey, Ziglitz. That's going to close out this episode um, with Jeremy Philbin, uh, an overview of the CCDE certification, uh, Cisco Certified Design Expert Certification. Um, I wanted to give a huge shout-out to Jeremy for joining us today, taking some time out of his busy schedule. Um, his conversations are are always valuable for me i always enjoy them personally especially today's conversation so i hope you did as well you can reach jeremy and engage him further on twitter.com following his twitter account uh, j j-f-i-l-l-i-b-e-n you can access all of his content and products um, on Jeremyfilibin.com If you liked today's episode, if it resonated within you, provided some level of real-world context, let us know. You can find us on Twitter and LinkedIn by searching for ZigBits. You can also send us an email to feedback at zigbits.tech. Don't forget to join us in two weeks for another episode where we will continue to provide real-world context around technology. Bye for now.